I'm Brianna. I'm Sarah. And we are the Squad, Squad Ghouls. Ghouls. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had to do that. Hey, who let Peanut in here? <laughs> she just, she let herself in. <laughs> but just to finish, just a couple of creepy gals who love creepy things. And, and, and the Peanut, the mic is picking you up. I, I hope you don't edit that out. Edit out Peanut. She wants to be. She wants to be internet famous. Peanut. Hi, dog. Peanut. Mostly, she just wants to attention. Hang with the cat. She's like, you have my baby, and I am concerned. We have a new production assistant over here at Squad Ghouls. <laughs> His name is Binks. Yay! Just in time for Halloween. Just in time for Halloween. And it, I think we'll have to post a picture of him on the squaggles ig he doesn't sit still <laughs> i mean i have one i mean that's you got true. some still photos that's true still photos that sounds terrible <laughs> <laughs> uh, for you- those that don't know baby binks is a little black kitten that was found by Bree's bff Lindsay. hi Lindsay. hi we love you thank um, you for bringing kittens and Lindsay knows that if she sends a picture to me of a kitten in need that i will adopt it no matter how many cats i already have <laughs> so now we have five cats and a dog That's and amazing. two roombas <laughs> it's important to note two roombas because i can't deal with cat fur um but he's so cute. And he's so small and he just ate. So I, I had to feed him between episode recordings. And now he's cleaning himself and refusing to sit down. Yep. Mm-hmm. I love baby animals. Mm-hmm. It makes me want to have more baby animals. I know. Not just baby humans, just baby animals. Baby animals. <laughs> I was clear when I said baby animals. <laughs> oh, Don't boy. get us wrong humans we love your children yes we just don't want our own yes <laughs> if it happens man that's gonna be a whole different world oh god <laughs> well i'm already i'm getting up every three hours to feed him so i'm assuming that this is what new parent sleep deprivation feels like mm-hmm. oh but he's making biscuits look at <gasps> he's making biscuits he's making little kitty biscuits oh i hope this means he's going to sleep we are not gonna get through this episode. No. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason that we bought, uh, bought? No, we didn't buy him. The reason why we brought him in here is because he ties into our episode, which we'll get yes. to later. Yes. But I have a joke. Okay, what do you got? Okay. What are a ghost's favorite ride? Uh, wait, let me start over. Sorry. <laughs> Again, we're not going to get through this episode. Yeah, sorry. I was thinking about the cat. Um, anyway, so what are a ghost's favorite ride at rides at the fair? I don't know. The scary go round and the roller coaster. Roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yes. So good. Well, I have one for you too. I'm ready. What kind of tests do vampires give their students? I don't know. What test? Blood tests. That's accurate. Yep. <laughs> yep. I like it. Mm-hmm. Shall we get into our booze news? We should. <gasps> booze news. Booze news. With Binks. Yes. <laughs> TM. TM. <laughs> oh, this is great. <laughs> Can we make uh, Binks shirts on our merch store? 
oh girl i am all over that look at peanut she's like um, she's excuse like me. excuse me i was here first yeah <laughs> she was like peanut. <laughs> poor peanut dog we'll make she, one with your face too she's, she's like, like okay okay good. okay okay good as long as i'm, I'm included again. i'm happy again <laughs> all right well so we've known for a while that george miller has been developing a mad max fury road spinoff movie uh centered on charlie theron's uh uh, Furiosa character and so uh, the Hollywood Reporter is reporting that the witch and the new mutant star Anya Taylor-Joy has officially landed the role as Furiosa and in that film and it's simply titled Furiosa. Was Charlize busy? Uh, well I think this is kind of like her before. Oh so she's too old is what I'm hearing. Yeah. I mean, she was, she don't look old though. No, Charlize is. But I think this timeless. is kind of like her before story. Her origin story. Yeah, origin before. Well, you know what I meant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but also Chris Hemsworth and Yahya Abdul Mateen the second uh, from Candyman uh, is also going to star and you know. Yeah, so it's basically telling her origin story and that was made famous in Fury Road and uh, Miller is co-writing and directing uh, the movie for Warner Brothers and last we heard, uh, Miller also intends on making sequels centered on Tom Hardy's Mad Max. Ooh. Yeah. Some cool things. So, I mean, hopefully COVID pending all this, you know, amazing stuff is... uh, in process i just want to know what's going to happen because there's so many new films coming out um or that are are in production Mm -hmm. but when are they gonna all release i mean i feel okay i'm gonna get on my soapbox again drive in seriously (laughs) like i don't understand like okay but i know i have heard some theaters are opening back up which is cool and they're you know trying to practice you know social distancing really cleaning and sanitizing everything and that's fine but i still feel like it's not really gonna get people back in the seats no i mean i went to a little private showing um of a movie that we're gonna talk about so i won't name it yet (laughs) but um i mean it was it was fun i liked it it was kind of nice having the theater to ourselves though so i feel like if they if we rented it out to have our own like little premiere party for something, I think people would be more apt to do that instead of, instead of opening tickets and you know, you can purchase your little social distance seats and your groups. And I don't know. I just feel like it would work out so much better, but again, drive-ins people driving, driving. Like why can't you spend all that money that you're, you know, putting into these theaters opening back up and repair the drive-ins and have premieres there i mean come on you guys they need better screens and better sound you can buy a better sound uh, speakers and everything from from sarah right (laughs) dm me i got the hookup i work for an audio company (laughs) i mean i just think it'd be so cool if they update all these like old school drive-ins and i don't know just make them cool i don't know I'm old school. I'll just, I'll get off my soapbox now. (laughs) Um, Some other cool news. Um, Elvira is telling the story of her own quarantine apocalypse adventure with Dynamite Entertainment launching a new comic book called The Omega Ma'am. And it's over on Kickstarter. 
Aww. And it, yeah. I'm assuming this is going to be straight out of... Well, actually, okay, is this based off of the Omega Man, like the Charlton Heston movie that was based on The Last Man on Earth, which That's originally started in some price? I'm getting or is, the name. Or is it like the Omega Man, the video game? There you go, Anthony. See, I knew another video game. I thought it was Mega Man. Oh, but shit. you were close. <laughs> Never mind, Anthony. Don't ask me I how. Don't ask me how I knew that. <laughs> but I think it's Mega Man. But you, you're fine, correct. It's close. I think it's more close to the first. You know how many people are laughing at me right now? <laughs> They're like, "Did she just say Omega?" Oh my Man? God, Gretchen! Did she just say Omega Man was a video? Can you game? please stop trying to make Omega Man happen? <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> This is this is what happens when we're filming shows late, and we're tired. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, the best. This is great. <laughs> so uh, the special all new prestige comic book story is said to be. Um, it says this is in quotations to be ripped straight from the headlines, filled with terror and titillation. Oh my god. I love that, that word. is definitely not the Mega Man game. No. <laughs> but it was uh, created um, with Elvira and a long-running scribe, uh, David Avaloni. And basically, it's available exclusively on Kickstarter now. And they have a goal amount of six... Get this. $6,666. <laughs> Dear God, that's like the lowest budget film ever. Yeah, but it's for a comic book, though. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. But anyway, go out and support Elvira, because she's cool. She's amazing. Those boobs ain't gonna so, pay for support themselves. For, support for the titillation. Right. <laughs> oh. Yep. Well, in other news, Netflix has ordered a new young adult vampire series called First Kill that will be executive produced by... Emma Roberts oh. of American Horror Story and Scream Queens fame. She's also Julia Roberts' niece. That's yes. the last name, Roberts. Yes. Um, it's unknown at this point if she's going to be part of the cast, but we're going to stay close to this one and see if there are any updates. Mm-hmm. You know, I really liked, I, I know Scream Queens was over the top, but I just recently rewatched it. I actually It's amazing. It. I actually really For me, it. I mean, like that was the point. It was supposed to be over the top and totally like spoof slasher, you know, kind of show. I think that's why I liked it though. Yeah. And it was, you know, a little... It was a little hard for me to get into at first, but, you know, the more I watched it again, I really loved Jamie Lee Curtis so oh, much. Yeah. And, and I actually really did love Emma Roberts as, like, the the whiny Chanel rich girl. I know. Do you know the part where she's, like, like stomping her feet and, like, doing her pout face? <laughs> that's the, me when I don't have food. The face <laughs> that launched a thousand gifts. Yes. That's me <laughs> all the time. Uh, I'm... I'm 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 proud to admit it. I do it all the time. Can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I kind of miss her being in stuff. But I think she just had a baby. Show did, or or no no no. no she or, she's pregnant. Or she's pregnant. She knocked up. Yeah. So about to have a baby. Yes. So well, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, uh, an organization that I wanted to share kind of goes along. Uh, with sort of kind of going along with the organization you shared on the episode before this, but I thought 
I would mention it because we kind of went to the march and together. And I know there was a lot of talk about this particular organization and that's Time's Up. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, I actually have like a bandana from them and I love it. It's my one of my favorite bandanas. <laughs> I bought the little button. Yes. But uh, Time's Up uh, launched... Uh, I'm sorry, in January uh, 2018, they launched the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund. So I'm going to more kind of focus on that a little bit. Um, But it's supported by the Time's Up Foundation and housed and administered by the National Women's Law Center Fund. Um, They created the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund to help survivors of sexual harassment and retaliation, especially low-income women and people of color to um, achieve justice. And, you know, it's there's there's more than 700 attorneys in the network taking on cases and helping people understand their rights at work, which is really important. That's why they always have you go through that whole training session. And I know a lot of people don't listen to it, but it's really, really important that you do pay attention. You don't have to let your boss grab your your uh restricted areas at work or make inappropriate advances toward you yes but since launching thousands of people have actually been connected to legal and public relation resources so they've been really like getting people to speak up which i i love mainly mainly women (laughs) which i'm very happy that over these last you know, a few years, I feel like women have really, really stepped up and have been speaking their mind. And it kind of makes me, it gives me hope because like for a while, I never really spoke my mind a lot. And so once I started seeing, you know, all these things kind of, you know, pop up, you know, women speaking up for themselves and taking action, it kind of got me a little bit more involved as well. And personally, for me to speak up and not just be a doormat. Absolutely. So, um, but so while the while the fund protects working people when sexual harassment and abuse occurs, Times Up now works to prevent sexual harassment and related forms of discrimination. Um, they they get to the root causes of harassment and discrimination by fighting for gender equality at every level of society, um, because you know they know that women will, you know, only be safe at work when they're equal at work that's so that's what they believe um so definitely um take a look at their website and also on they have instagram and facebook uh they have a lot of um different ways that you can kind of help support uh they have a you know you they want you to be a times up voter and you can learn about like issues that you know they're trying to get pushed through congress uh also they're working on getting better uh, paid leave um, for Congress to pass it. So it's something they definitely need some support on. And also really cool, um, what they're doing now is they're really trying to help uh, health care workers who are on the front, line, uh, front lines of containing the threat of COVID-19. So please check them out. And it's just a really good cause. And I just, like I said, I love it. They're really you know, trying to have people stand up and, and take action. And, you know, they want you to have a safe, fair and dignified, you know, workplace. Amen. So yeah, check them out and buy their merch. 
They've got some good stuff. They have some really good stuff. Well, this week, ah, <laughs> not I know. This week. I, I do it all the time, <laughs> all the time. Today, <laughs> uh, today is the conclusion of our three-part series of Halloween movies for kiddos. Yay! Hooray! Part three. Part three. Yeah, we've had some really good suggestions. I mean, there's so many. Yes. And shout out again to one of our favorite little spooky listeners, Mr. Liam Christopher. Yes. We love you and your mama, Abby. So thank you for giving us some of the suggestions. And a couple of them we're actually going to go through in this episode as well so thanks little man we really appreciate you listening yes we love hearing from people even if they're little people (laughs) (laughs) absolutely (laughs) we love suggestions Mm -hmm. and i mean like if you're if you're a kid that's into spooky creepy things like me then you're a-okay we want to foster (laughs) the creepy and in honor of the last one we're going to talk about we have our our new PA Binks Yay. that we mentioned earlier. So that kind of gives you a hint. Yep. He's he's here to help. Yep. Right now he's sleeping. It's the baby Binks. Mm-hmm. Before Thackeray takes over. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, should I go first? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Well, so one of the movies I picked to talk about is Hotel Transylvania. I don't know if, did you see this movie? I did. Okay. And... It wasn't 100% my favorite, <laughs> but, but the little kids, because I went to see this in the theaters, the kids that were in the theaters were going ape, you know what, because they really, really loved it. I'm yeah. watching my language because this is a kid's episode. But. Oh, right. And I literally just realized that I put a note in here, but I will bleep it out because <laughs> it's recording this movie. <laughs> but anyway, but well, anyway. Parents will know what I'm talking about, but don't explain it to your kids. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um, so Hotel Transylvania came out in 2012 and it was a computer animated comedy film produced by Columbia Pictures and Sony Pictures Animations. Um, It was directed by uh, Jendi Tartakov. Oh, God. I'm going to ruin this. (laughs) Tartakovsky. There it is. I got it out. <laughs> and it's his, uh, actually his uh, de- directorial debut. Good job. Yay. I'm getting there. It's, <laughs> I need some more caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's from a screenplay by Peter uh, Bannum and Robert, is it Smigel or Smeagol? It's the same guy from SNL. They used to do all the shorts. It's Smigel, right? Sure. Okay, that's what we're going to say. Yep. <laughs> um, the the film was released, actually, on September 28th, and it earned a total of $358 million worldwide against a budget of $85 million at the box office, and it was actually nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Animated Feature Film. Uh, and after that, it launched a... Uh, Kind of like a franchise with a sequel titled Hotel Transylvania 2, which takes place seven years after the first film. And that was released in 2015. And then they had a third film 
titled Hotel Transylvania 3 Summer Vacation, and that came out in 2018. And then after that, they had a television series uh, that uh, premiered on the Disney Channel in June 2017. Uh, But now they're actually uh, focusing on a fourth film that's actually set to be released uh, August 6, 2021. And so far, they said right now only... Uh, Selena Gomez is slated to return um, as her role. But some of the voices, so we have Adam Sandler, who is Count uh, Drac or Dracula. And then we have Andy Samberg as Jonathan. Uh, Selena Gomez as the voice of Mavis Dracula, who is the daughter of Count Dracula and the late uh, Martha Dracula. <laughs> Mm. And then we have Sadie Sandler, who is Adam Sandler's daughter, and she voices young Mavis. Oh, I didn't know that. How cute. I mean, they're always in his movies, even if they're, you know, (laughs) animated. (laughs) They're they're always like in all his movies. Um, But she Sadie also voices Wayne's daughter, uh, Winnie. Uh, Kevin James is Frankenstein. Fran Drescher plays Eunice, who is Frankenstein's wife. Steve Buscemi plays Wayne, the male werewolf. And then Molly Shannon plays Wanda, the Wayne's wife. And then we have David Spade as Griffin, who is the invisible man. Uh, Mr. CeeLo Green as Murray, who is the mummy. And then he actually gets replaced later by Keegan-Michael Key in the next two films. And then we have John Lovitz as Quasimodo, who is the kind of like a hunchback gourmet chef, (laughs) which is great. Best description ever. (laughs) And then we have uh, Jim Wise and Lunell, uh, comedians. They are the the shrunken heads uh, who are at the uh, do not disturb sign on Mavis's door. (laughs) Then we have uh, Chris Parnell, who was on SNL. He's Mr. Fly. And then uh, Brian George, who is the suit of animated armor. Brian Stack as the pilot. And then we have Jackie Sandler, uh, who is Adam Sandler's wife. Uh, And uh, she plays the voice, or she does the voice of Martha, who is Dracula's uh, late wife. And then we have Rob Riggle as the skeleton husband. And Paul Britton as Mr. Gooligan, the mm-hmm. zombie plumber. No. Did you call it a plumber? <laughs> a, pl- <laughs> a plumber. <laughs> I swear, we'll get through it. <laughs> Me, especially. No, we're all good. <laughs> so, just a little short on the plot. So, in 1895, Dracula builds a resort in Transylvania that's hidden from humans to raise his daughter, Mavis, in a safe environment because humans are bad. I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really true. We are terrible people. <laughs> not us, but like other people. <laughs> I mean, we're pretty terrible too. Yeah, that's true. Never Just mind. a different kind of terrible. <laughs> we're a different kind of terrible. Yes. <laughs> but uh, in the present, the place is the Hotel Transylvania, where monsters bring their families to vacation far from the frightening humans. <laughs> so funny um dracula invites his friends frankenstein wayne uh and they're like oh my god they have like a whole slew of werewolves little baby werewolves running everywhere 
It's really funny. Um, then we have Griffin, the Invisible Man, Murray, the Mummy, and Bigfoot, among others, to kind of celebrate the 118th birthday of Mavis, his daughter. And so when the party uh, start, it was ready to start, the 21-year-old Jonathan, uh, which who is a human, not a monster, is walking through the forest and stumbles upon the hotel. So he, you know comes in <laughs> so dracula sees jonathan and disguises him as a monster to hide you know to kind of hide him from the guests but mavis also sees jonathan and you know dracula kind of forces him to pose as a monster but soon mavis believes that jonathan is a hu- um, uh, a human and also the zing of her life like her love it's so cute <laughs> but you know despite despite the advice of her father um pretty much about humans so the whole thing they go through and he talks about you know what the human world is like and you know kind of takes her down to the uh little town that's below uh the hotel transylvania you know and kind of tries to show her that humans aren't so bad and it makes her want to go out and explore a little bit more but of course dracula's like no because you're gonna get hurt and bad things are gonna happen to you like your mother and all this stuff but it i don't know it's a really cute movie and i i really liked it i thought it was funny i mean you can kind of see a little bit of the regular like you know kind of adam sandler uh you know slapstick kind of uh, jokes and stuff in there and then of course like he uses all the same people for <laughs> the for voices every movie yeah ever. for like every movie <laughs> um but just a couple of fun facts uh near the beginning of the movie when the hotel ghosts are first seen arriving dracula mentions that the hotel has been in operation since 1868 it is also shown that mavis's mother was killed by a mob in approximately like 1895 kind of based on a, a family portrait um that's in the movie but uh bram stoker's dracula was written in 1896 and released in 1897 so this movie actually uses chronological order following the original dracula story Mm. yeah which is kind of (laughs) cool um in the movie commentary it's mentioned the town at the end with the fair is loosely based on a real town known as okay here we go (laughs) sigasora Romania. And it's also, that is also the birthplace of Vlad the Impaler, the real Count Dracula. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Dracula! Um, And so, uh, typically, animated uh, films have actors and actresses record their dialogue separately, but the director wanted uh, Sandler, uh, Kevin James, uh, David Spade, Steve Buscemi, together to record like it was a live action i think it kind of helped because you can kind of see that's old school yeah super old school but i kind of liked it though because when you when you watch the movie you can kind of tell that it was done that way because there's just kind of a you i don't know just seems like they had a little closer relationship it's like kind of cool back when you used to record way way back in the day kids right when everything was (laughs) recorded on tape (laughs) back in the day (laughs) And yes, you had different tracks on a console, but everybody had to be in the same room. So everybody had to be way better at their jobs. Yes. Because if you messed up, there was no going back. You'd have to tape punch the edit. <laughs> so great. And try and hopefully you didn't have to punch over the same spot too many times because then you would just burn through the tape and then it's ruined. 
yeah oh boy but i don't know i like old school things so anyway <laughs> but <laughs> so um this is this is where we kind of have to cover the kids ears for a minute so <laughs> so miley cyrus was initially cast as Mav- for to do the voice uh, of mavis Ugh. but she was fired after buying her then boyfriend slash fiance slash husband now divorced <laughs> uh liam hemsworth a interesting shaped cake i won't say what it is just use your imagination <laughs> um for his birthday and she actually was being photographed licking it i'm not shocked <laughs> So the studio was like really nervous about her leading the animated family film while kind of shedding her Disney Channel image. So she was replaced by Selena Gomez. But at the time, it was said that Cyrus had withdrawn to focus on other projects. Um, But she kind of revealed exactly what happened in 2019 way 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 late (laughs) uh so griffin who is voiced by david spade is named for and resembles the title character of the book the invisible man by hg wells i didn't like get that at first Mm -hmm. i I guess i just wasn't paying attention Mm -hmm. but pretty cool (laughs) the address of the hotel in the movie is 666 transylvania lane ombre romania it can be seen on the back of the itineraries that Dracula hands out to guests. And ombre in Romanian is uh, for shadows. And then uh, some other cool thing. Another cool thing is that uh, Dracula was actually drawn pretty much in the likeness of Bela Lugosi's Dracula. Um, like with the blue eyes and the voice. Like they pretty much were, you know, trying to make the dracula looked like bella lugosi's dracula um and it was unclear whether the lugosi estate agreed to uh, dracula being fashioned upon the image of bella lugosi but since there have been no like public uh, you know objections and bella lugosi jr being the attorney who objected to universal using his father's likeness in their merchandising and won the lawsuit it's understood that the estate got paid uh for uh using bella lugosi's likeness um, an interesting fact, round trip tickets right now to Transylvania will cost you about $700. <gasps> no way. Yes way. Can we, are, are we allowed to go to Transylvania right I now? I don't know, but it sounds cool. I got a brand new passport with no stamps in it. <laughs> so, you know, if you want to check it out. Hey, Transylvania, please let us know if you're taking us right now. Yes. Well, technically, isn't it Romania? It's part of Romania. Yeah, it's part. Yeah. It doesn't exist anymore. So, yeah, we're just going to Romania. Hey, Romanians, please let us know if your country will allow us in because we wouldn't yes. we wouldn't blame you if you didn't. Yeah, we would like to stay at Dracula's castle. Por favor. Please. There's Thank a virtual you. tour of it that you can do, too. I know I did it. It's cool. But it's not as cool like if we were actually there. Oh, 100%. I mean, but it was cool and kind of creepy, though. I just wanted to see it. I, if it helps, I was looking at the virtual tour in the dark. I mean, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Tr- Hotel Transylvania is a really cute movie. I didn't really care for the, the other ones, but the first one, I, I enjoyed it. It was cute. Nice. So go watch it. Mm-hmm. So the first one that I picked is a classic, um, and it is The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. However, I am not going to talk about the Wind in the Willows portion, which is the Mr. Toad version. Uh, I'm going to talk about the second story, 
which is The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Oh, I love it. So I've actually found this DVD, I found this on DVD at Fry's, and I understand Fry's is a regional chain, so um, sorry if you're from not here, then you don't have a Fry's maybe, but they do have a website. I found the DVD at Fry's for like $5, but I'm pretty sure that you can order it from the Shop Disney app if you don't already have it. And it actually might be on Disney Plus, but don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. But so the second segment of this film is based on the legend of Sleepy Hollow, as I mentioned, by Washington Irving. So the film introduces the story as Ichabod Crane, but later releases retain the story's original title as, and, as the short story, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. So it takes place in October of 1790, and we're introduced to Ichabod Crane, who is a very lanky, gangly, kind of odd-looking, superstitious, yet charming individual who moves to uh, Sleepy Hollow and specifically a small village outside of Terrytown that is known for its ghostly hauntings. So he is brought in to be the schoolmaster and he exhibits some very odd behavior and very interesting mannerisms. But because he's just kind of kooky and lovable, he wins the hearts of all of the women in the village and forms really great friendships with his students. And we are then introduced to Brom Bones, who is this odd town hero of sorts. And he bullies Ichabod a little bit because of Ichabod's popularity with the Goyles. The but, Goyles. <laughs> mm-hmm, but Ichabod's actually very good at ignoring all of these taunts and continues to interact with townspeople until one day he meets a girl how it always goes so he meets and falls in love with a gal named katrina van tassel who is the beautiful daughter of the wealthy baltus van tassel and she also happens to be brahm's unofficial fiance so also something that i want to mention i know that there's kids listening to this episode however i really appreciate that katrina is drawn like a woman Mm -hmm. she curvy yeah she got shape i like that too she's not a stick (laughs) so despite being obsessed with her beauty ichabod actually really desires to take her family's money for himself and brahm who's never been challenged like this then starts this odd competition with ichabod crane but ichabod then wins katrina over at every opportunity and unbeknownst to both of them katrina is only using ichabod to make brahm jealous and force him to try harder for her affections sometimes you know it happens Yep. So then we kind of come to a bit of a of a head here at the Van Tassel's Halloween party and Brom and Ichabod keep kind of fighting over Katrina and then later Brom catches Ichabod accidentally knocking over a salt shaker and sees him nervously tossing salt over his shoulder. So kids, note, if you're superstitious and you knock over salt, you got to throw some over your shoulder. Otherwise, it's bad luck. Yep. So once Brom realizes that Ichabod's very superstitious, he then starts to sing the tale of the legendary Headless Horseman, who supposedly travels the woods on Halloween each year, searching for a living head to replace the one that he lost. And the only way to escape the ghost is to cross a covered bridge. And everybody, including Katrina, finds the story really amusing, while Ichabod's actually, like, legit terrified. 
So when he rides home from the party, Ichabod starts to become paranoid at every sound that he hears in the woods. And he travels through the old cemetery and believes he hears the sound of a horse galloping toward him. But he realizes it's only the sound of cattails bumping on a log. Um, so then he and his horse start to laugh, but the laughter is cut short by the appearance of the headless horseman wielding a sword and riding what appears to be Brahms' black horse. So then they make chase through the dark forest and Ichabod then remembers Brahm's advice and rides across the covered bridge to stop being pursued by the ghost. But the headless horseman stops and throws his flaming head, which is actually a jack-o'-lantern, right at Ichabod's face, presumably knocking him out. So the next morning, Ichabod's hat is found at the bridge next to the shattered jack-o'-lantern, but Ichabod himself is nowhere to be found. And sometime later... Brahm and Katrina get married and rumors start to spread that Ichabod is still alive and married to a wealthy widow in a distant county. Um, however, the superstitious people of Sleepy Hollow insist that he has been spirited away by the headless horseman. Ooh. Yeah, it was a, it's a great little short. Um, so a couple fun facts about this. The song that was recorded, The Headless Horseman, which was recorded initially by um, Bing Crosby, and Br- Bing Crosby actually serves as the narrator of this entire story, um, was actually considered to be one of the darkest songs written for a Disney film. And much like the song Worthless from The Brave Little Toaster, which I didn't know, and the song Hellfire from The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which... I love the soundtrack from The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and it's one of the most beautifully scored Disney movies of all time. Even if you don't like the story, and yes, it obviously ends happily, and kids, sorry, the original book by Victor Hugo did not end happily, but yep. here we <laughs> it sure are. Didn't. Um, it was nearly cut from the film. I didn't know that. Oh, really? Really. Oh. And Washington Irving himself, who wrote the short story Sleepy Hollow, is actually buried in Sleepy Hollow Cemetery, despite the fact that he actually wrote the story in England. He's buried in Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. And while the Headless Horseman himself is a fictional character, he actually has some mythological roots in English, Irish, German, and Scandinavian folklore. Ghosts on on horseback are common in a lot of these tales, and a few of them are headless. So, for example, ghosts on horseback are widespread legend with the wild hunt. So it features a phantasmal spectral group of huntsmen riding ghost horses and accompanied by ghost hounds. And the entire group rides in mad pursuit across skies along the ground or just above it. And for specifically headless horsemen, there is the Irish legend of the Dullahan, a headless rider, usually on a black horse who carries his own head under one arm. Ooh. Mm Mm-hmm. And the narrator, as I mentioned, is Bing Crosby. And he was cast initially in the film to increase its audience appeal. And he was one of the most commercially successful singers from the 30s to the 1950s. So obviously this came out in 1949. And by that time, he had already won an Oscar. So he was a really big name. So that's that's why they brought him in. And despite the American setting, as I mentioned... The Legend of Sleepy Hollow was written in 1820 and was written while Washington Irving lived abroad, mainly having settled in England. So most of his stories from the same period had English settings and featured English life and landscape. And for those of you who are in Florida or plan on visiting the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World, there is actually a Sleepy Hollow restaurant 
that was inspired by the film. Ooh. And the exterior of the rest of the restaurant is a replica of Sunnyside, Washington, uh, which is Washington Irving's Dutch style mansion on the Hudson River in Terrytown. Um, I looked up to see if you can make reservations. It's not open right now, but when COVID, I'm sure, starts to die off eventually, it will open back up. And last but not least, while the name Ichabod is rarely used, there was an actual historical figure called Ichabod Crane. He was named Ichabod Bennett Crane, who lived from 1787 to 1857, who was a career military officer best remembered for his role in the War of 1812. So kids, quick history lesson. You all know that we beat England as the underdog (laughs) for the colonies. Wasn't the United States yet before the colonies. Uh, England got angry and tried to take it back in 1812. So that's what the War of 1812 is. Wow. Um, So while Washington Irving never admitted to borrowing his name, there's a strong possibility to suggest that he did. And the two men were actually acquaintances having met in 1814. Mm -hmm. And that is the cartoon version of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. No, I want to watch that. It's so cute. I know. I, I love I, it. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah. But it was always one of my, my favorites, actually. Yep. And kids, once you get older, there is a another Sleepy Hollow live action version starring Johnny Depp and Christina Ricci that uh, came out in 99, I believe it was. Yeah. It is rated R. You're not allowed to see it till you're older. Yes. It's very gory. Mm-hmm. So please don't watch it when you're very young. Yeah. I mean, I probably would have. I mean, 99, I think we both yeah. did. Yeah. Do as we say, not as we do. Yeah. <laughs> Don't follow me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I picked another, like, good Halloween favorites, and that's Halloween Town. Oh, I love this movie. I know. I was like, I had to do this one because... It's just one of those classics that I think you have to watch. And I don't know if it's been on the Disney Channel lately, but... It is on Disney Plus. It is on Disney Plus. Like all of them are, (laughs) which is great. Um, But Halloween Town came out in 1998 as a Disney Channel original movie, and it was directed by Dwayne Dunham. And this was like kind of the it was the first installment in the Halloween Town series. There's so much more. so a quick little like plot summary so we uh meet uh marley uh, marley god marnie dylan and sophie piper and they kind of have like their first out of many adventures together and on halloween while marnie is arguing with her mother gwen the kids uh grandmother aggie comes to visit because there's this whole thing where they just they're not allowed to go out on halloween it's it's forbidden (laughs) but of course here comes grandma to give all the kids what they want (laughs) being normal is vastly overrated yes (laughs) that needs to go on a shirt actually it it probably already exists i hope it does i'm gonna look it up after this (laughs) uh but aggie wants to start uh marnie's uh witch training before her 13th birthday or marnie will lose her powers forever no forever forever but there's also another reason for aggie's visit there's something dark and evil that is growing in halloween town and aggie wants help to defeat it 
So why not get the kids to help? <laughs> um, so they have to defeat the defeat. Oh gosh, I need more caffeine. Sorry. <laughs> oh, and then you make me look at the cute kitty sleeping in your arms. Not to distract you. I'm sorry, but he oh. just moved. Oh my god. We're gonna post this on our Instagram yeah, stories. Sorry. Slight pause for the kitty. Um, (laughs) So they have to help uh, their uh, grandmother, Aggie, defeat the evil Calabar. I like that name. (laughs) Um, And so they, uh, while Aggie and Gwen are arguing, you know, Aggie uses magic, which, you know, kind of Margie observes. And she's like, "Uh, you know, I need to learn all of this. (laughs) So after Aggie return, leaves to return to Halloween Town, Marnie, Dylan... Um, and Sophie, well, they didn't know that Sophie came, but Sophie also, uh, follow her onto the return bus. And then soon afterwards, uh, Gwen actually follows the children to Halloween town and there Aggie and Gwen are attacked in the movie theater. And then, uh, uh, Marnie, Dylan, and Sophie race to get the ingredients to activate Merlin's wand to stop the evil and save the day. Yay. Yay! And then she learns magic. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really cute movie. There have been other ones that, you know, have also been released. But um, let me go through the cast really quick. So we have the the great elite Debbie Reynolds. Aww. You know, I met her once. And she, is, she was the most... She was so lovely. I believe it. <sighs> I went to her dance school and I took a class. I believe that she is. I believe that she is as wonderful as every movie character that she's yep, ever it's portrayed. It's very true. But the the great late Debbie Reynolds plays Agatha or Aggie Cromwell, who is the witch from Halloween Town. Then we have Kimberly J. Brown as Marnie Piper. Marnie. And, and then uh, Judith Hoag. 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 Oh, wag. I don't know. <laughs> Who plays Gwen Piper, the mom. I love the name Gwen. Gwen. I know, me too. Gwenny. <laughs> and then uh, Joey Zimmerman as Dylan Piper. He annoyed me. Yeah, just a little bit. He was, yeah. <laughs> and then we have Emily uh, Rosk as Sophie Piper, the little sister. And then we have... Uh, Philip Van Dyke as Luke, who was the thirteen-year-old uh, goblin who was under Calabar's spell, <laughs> and then Robin Thomas as Calabar, then Judith M. Ford as Harriet, uh, Kenneth Choi as the hip sales creature, <laughs> Hank Cartwright as Tim uh, Tulsi's uh, the two-headed man, and then uh, Johnny. Uh, Olson Digger as the ghost at Halloween Town's fitness center because ghosts like to hang out in the fitness center. And <laughs> Sherilyn Lawson as the vampire dentist patient. And Michael Patrick Egan as Wolfie, who was a hairstylist. I mean, <laughs> what else would you be? I know. I really want to live in Halloween Town. <laughs> I'm just saying. I know. That's pretty amazing. So, some. Uh, interesting little fun facts. So, um, Scapoose and St. Helen's organ, uh, organ, Oregon, 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 I'll get it. 
um, is where the original Halloween Town was filmed, and they welcome tourists. They like come visit us. In fact, uh, probably not right now because of COVID, but they have a month long Spirit of Halloween Town event to celebrate the October holiday and allows fans of the movie to explore in the town. They even try to recreate parts of the set, uh, like the the giant jack o' lantern in Town Square. That's rad. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and then, uh, according to Kimberly J. Brown, the flaming hairdryer Marnie accidentally picks up is actually real with real flames. And there was no special effects involved. Ugh. Yeah, that's pretty scary. And then, despite being there being four Disney Channel original movies in the Halloween Town series, many actors only appeared in a couple of them. Um, only Dummy Reynolds, who played... Uh, Agatha, Judith Hoag, who played Gwen, and then Joey Zimmerman, who played Dylan, are credited as appearing in all the, the Halloween Town titles. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was Kimberly J. Brown's first uh, Disney Channel movie. And then also, Jim Becker was supposed to play the ice cream shop Yeti. Uh, Ro- Roger uh, Payton and Jim arrived at the wardrobe fitting at the same time. The costumers found that Jim did not fit the Yeti costume, and Roger did, and became and he became the Yeti, and then Jim was switched to the Dapper Mayor. Um, also, uh, Judith uh, Hoag uh, had to miss the premiere of her of her movie Armageddon to make this film. I was like, was she in Armageddon? She was. Who was she? That I had to look that up. Who was she? <laughs> she was, hold on. I will tell you. Hold one second. Cue the Jeopardy music. Do, do, do. Nope. Not that one. That one. <laughs> Do 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 do. Why? Where is her name? <laughs> well, anyway, it's not important. Yeah, we can look it right. up later. I will come back to that. <laughs> um, actually, and then uh, coincidentally, uh, Demi Reynolds' late close friend Agnes Moorhead was called Aggie, Aww. and also played a magical grandmother on Bewitched. Yes, she did. Yeah, so a little inspiration there. She is the most perfect Endora <laughs> ever. Um, so, a fun fact, Debbie Reynolds was actually considered for the role uh, as Mary Poppins before they cast uh, Julie Andrews. So, really cool thing that happens in the movie, Debbie Reynolds descends from the bus, uh, carrying her from Halloween Town in the air, floating down to the sidewalk with an umbrella. Kind of like Mary Poppins. A la Mary Poppins. Yeah. So it's really cool. <laughs> I mean, I, I love me some Debbie Reynolds, but nobody, nobody could do that role like Julie Andrews. Yeah, nobody. Gotta say, sorry. I, I mean, no she. Th- I mean, she'd be a close second. I think she would have been kind of good. No, I think she would have been good, but yeah. I it would not have been the same. Right, but but she's also. I mean, I I still love watching all her movies. And actually, uh, interesting fact. So. Kimberly J. Brown was only 16 young, uh, 16 years younger than her on-screen mother, uh, Judith um, Hoag. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those are all my little fun facts. 
watch Halloween Town with your kids. It's, it's really, really cute. cute. It's really, really cute. And you know what's interesting is that I was looking on um, Rotten Tomatoes and they actually gave it 80%. I think that's fair. Yeah. 100%. I was like, oh, that's cool. Good mm-hmm. good job on you. <laughs> I was surprised. And then it's it's on the list for uh, the 40, uh, 40 best Disney Channel original movies. Oh, I support yep. this. Yeah. And so, and also I mentioned before, there's other Halloween Town uh, sequels. So there's Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge, then Halloween Town High that came out in uh, 2004, and then Return to Halloween Town in 2006. Nice. And there was also a series. So a lot of fun things to watch. Lots and these are available on Disney+. Plus. Woohoo! I double checked. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, go watch. And the last one that I picked was, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters! I am afraid of no ghosts. Now, it is important <laughs> to note, this is the Ghostbusters that matters. So it's the one that was from 1984. <laughs> Just to clear that up. This is the, the Ghostbusters. We don't pretend that Ghostbusters 2 or the remake that came out a couple years ago, those didn't happen. This is the one that matters. Right. So this was originally written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, the late great Harold Ramis, who I love all of his films. I have not laughed so hard in my life as I have at Harold Ramis films. They're amazing. Yeah. So it stars Bill Murray as Peter Venkman, Dan Aykroyd as Ray Stance, Harold Ramis as Egon Spendler. And Ernie Hudson as Winston Zeddemore. So those are the four main Ghostbusters. And then we also have some side characters. Rick Moranis, who plays the neighbor to uh, Sigourney Weaver's Dana Barrett. Uh, So Rick Moranis' came is named Louis Tully. Annie Potts as Janine Melanitz. So she is the quote-unquote secretary for the Ghostbusters when they open up shop. And William Atherton as Walter Peck. So I... I love this movie for so many reasons. It was fun fact that I looked up when researching this. This was not originally intended to be a kid's movie, but I don't know how it couldn't be. I mean, I guess maybe for more, a little more mature audience, but I mean, they're, they're tubes that they use to trap ghosts are freaking backpacks. Yep. I mean, come on. (laughs) So best. Yeah. So it wasn't initially intended to be a kid's movie. I've loved watching this since I was a kid, but also I was born in the eighties. So here we are. Yep. So when we start the film, a little bit of background, Peter Venkman, Raymond slash Ray Stance and Egon Spengler are scientists at Columbia University, specifically investigating the paranormal. So they follow their first encounter with a ghost who is manifesting itself at the New York Public Library. Uh, The dean fires them and dismisses the credibility of their research. So in response, they create the Ghostbusters, a paranormal investigation and elimination service. (laughs) So they convert an old firehouse and develop high-tech equipment to capture and contain these ghosts and convert a combination car into the ectomobile to support their business. Interesting. Yes. It's great. Um, seeing so seeing their television ad um, a skeptical cellist Dan, Dana Barrett is initially dismissive of the paranormal activity that she's seeing in her kitchen but she reluctantly calls them so when she's recounting the event she describes opening her refrigerator and seeing a creature that utters a single word Zula 
Mm-hmm. So Vankman reassures her and becomes romantically interested yep. while Ray and Egon research her claims. So business is slow until they're hired to remove a ghost from the Sedgwick Hotel. And there, Egon warns the group never to cross the energy streams of their proton pack weapons as this could cause a catastrophic explosion. So they capture their first ghost Slimer and deposit it into a special containment unit in the firehouse. Soon uh, their business starts to boom. Paranormal activity increases across New York city and to cope with demand, they hire a fourth member in Winston Zedmore. So very suspicious of their operation, Walter Peck from the EPA, stands for Environmental Protection Agency Kids, um, asks to evaluate their equipment, but leaves after Vankman insults him. So, privately, Egon warns the team that the increase in supernatural activity is becoming dangerous and their equipment is at risk of failing underneath the stress. So, then we uh, we see that Venkman goes and meets with Dana and he shares that Zool was a demigod who was worshipped as a servant to Gozer the Gozerian, <laughs> uh, who is a shape-shifting god of destruction. Um, he then convinces Dana to discuss her case further over dinner, as one does. Um, however, when Dana returns home, she's attacked and possessed by Zool. And in a nearby apartment, a nearly identical entity manifests and then chases and possesses her neighbor, Louis Tully. So then Vankman arrives and finds the possessed Dana, claiming to be the quote-unquote gatekeeper. And Louis, who's also possessed, is found by the police officers and claims he is Vince Clortho, the key master of Gozer. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so campy! I know. Um, So then the Ghostbusters agree that they need to regroup, but they keep the pair separated um so then they work with law enforcement and and city workers to have the ghostbusters arrested and orders the deactivation of the ghost containment system which is stressed beyond capacity so the shutdown causes an explosion that releases all of the captured ghosts and the ghostbusters are detained so then lewis manages to escape in the confusion and makes his way to the apartment where he meets dana who's possessed by zool and in jail ray and egon reveal that dana's building is a true source of the supernatural increase so the architect was a genius and a cult leader of gozer worshipers uh, designed to channel ghosts for the purpose of ending the world so faced with the chaos in the city they then convince the mayor to release them so that they over the protests of Walter Peck. So on the apartment building roof, then Dana slash Zool and Lewis slash Vince open the gate between dimensions and transform into supernatural creatures just as the Ghostbusters arrive. Yay. Mm-hmm. So Gozer in the form of a, will, of a woman arrives um, and Ray attempts to reason with her at first. When this fails, Gozer attacks, forcing the Ghostbusters to attempt to trap her, but she disappears. Um, then her disembodied voice demands the Ghostbusters uh, choose their form of their destructor. This is the best part. <laughs> yes. Um, so they initially are standing on the rooftop and they all say, you know, clear your mind. Don't think about anything at all. So Raymond inadvertently recalls a beloved corporate mascot from his childhood. <laughs> <laughs> and, My favorite. Yep. And Gozer reappears in the form <laughs> of a giant stay puffed marshmallow man <laughs> that proceeds to attack the city. 
Um, so great. Yes. So Egon tells the team to ignore his earlier advice and cross their proton em- energy streams at Gozer's portal. Um, and then this results in a huge explosion that destroys Gozer's marshmallow man form and banishes it from this dimension and closes the portal. Yay. Mm-hmm. And everybody lived happily ever after the Yay. end. So, a uh, couple of fun facts about this movie. And I actually didn't know some of these until I researched it. And it just oh. makes me love it even more. Um, so, almost none of the scenes were filmed as scripted. Most had right. at least one ad lib. And most of Bill Murray's lines specifically were ad libbed. Yeah, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. I just, it makes me love it even more yeah. because it's the writing in there's there are two big things that I love about this film so much. One is the writing. And, you know, obviously, I guess it's not the writing. It's the actors that just yeah. improved most of it, which makes me love it, it even more. It was the perfect like pairing. Like yes. all of them together. And two, I love how this film was marketed from the ghost logo with the little no sign over it to the song because everybody knows the who you're gonna call ghostbusters like everybody doesn't matter how old or young you are everybody knows that yep um and on that note after the films or in the middle of the film's initial release to keep the commercial interest going uh ivan reitman ran a trailer that was basically a commercial that the ghostbusters used in the movie for their business um but the 555 number that was listed was replaced with a 1-800 number that allowed people to actually call in (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. and callers got a recorded message of bill murray and dan Aykroyd saying something to the effect of hi we're out catching ghosts right now they got a thousand calls per hour 24 hours a day for six weeks (laughs) that's amazing yeah i mean but to be expected Mm -hmm. um harold ramus intended to only write the film um but then he decided to play dr egon spangler after he felt he was the best person suited for it and also he wrote uh dan Aykroyd uh referred to the slimer as the ghost of john belushi Oh, because slime because of Slimer's uh, gluttonous eating habits, which was based on John Belushi's cafeteria scene from National Lampoon's Animal House, which aired in 1978. Kids, you're too young to watch that movie. Yeah, don't watch. That. Don't watch that movie. Um, and when Harold Ramis passed away, I was really sad. Yeah. Um, fans of the movie paid tribute to him by visiting New York, the New York City firehouse that was used in the exterior shot. And they made a makeshift memorial featuring Nestle Crunch bars oh. in reference to Vankman giving Spengler a candy bar and Twinkies because they used a Twinkie to describe the ghost problem in New York City. Oh. I know. So this let's cute. So let's talk about the the song a little bit, the iconic song. So <laughs> the chorus shouting Ghostbusters during the film's theme song mm-hmm. consisted of Ray Parker Jr., who wrote it, um, consisted of his girlfriend and her friends because he was given such a tight deadline to write the song. Those were the only people he could find <laughs> to record that part and meet the deadline. I mean, if I was old enough, I would have I would have done it. Mm-hmm. And in twenty uh, in a twenty fifteen interview, he said that he got the idea when his son shouted "Ghostbusters." <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks, right? Thanks. You kid. just made me millions. Yep. Hope he got a cut. Right. <laughs> um, 
And then just a couple more quick things. This was actually the highest grossing film of all time until Home Alone came out in 1990. Oh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man suit costs approximately $20,000. Oh, my god! There were three of them made, and all of them were destroyed during filming. What? Yeah. That's sad. Mm-hmm. Um, the jail scene that was filmed when they're all hauled away um, was actually a haunted prison. And the dailies that worked on the set had scratches all over, but no apparent physical cause. Oh. Creepy. Yeah. Um, Ivan Reitman was actually concerned about returning, and the crew was very relieved to find enough footage to complete the scene without having to go back. <laughs> yeah. And last but not least, the role of Peter Venkman was actually written for John Belushi. Belushi, but he died as Dan Aykroyd was writing the script. Oh. Yeah. I think he would have been good. Oh, he would have been awesome. But, yeah. you know, then there's freaking kooky Bill Murray, who's yeah. just such a weirdo. <laughs> and I love him, though. <laughs> he's just, you know, I bet that guy is just bonkers in real life. Yeah. I wouldn't mind hanging out with him. I don't know. I'd be kind of scared. I think it would be fun. Yeah. But, you know, I... <laughs> I, I don't know how, because, I mean, John Belushi was obviously amazing, but, I you know, I can't picture anybody else but Bill Murray as Peter Venkman. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good choice. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, fun fact, I mean, it's not about this particular movie, but uh, Ghostbusters 2, my grandfather's song was played in that one. It sure was. It sure was. And it made the Statue of Liberty moved. I just, uh, I just watched Ghostbusters 2 the other day because it was on, and... Uh, I, was, I almost texted you saying, Grandpa's on. <laughs> <laughs> that was like my favorite part when I saw that. And it, it, when my mom first took me to New, to New York, because um, when I was, I went when I was really, really young, so I don't remember a whole lot. But I remember when she first took me to the Statue of Liberty, and I was like, so we're going to put on Grandpa's song, and she's going to move, right? <laughs> my mom's like, no. That's not <laughs> how this like, works. It's just in a movie. <laughs> But, you know, of course, I'm like, no, I want it to move. But it moved in the movie. Yeah, exactly. But that's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, but, great well, movie. Last but not least, we're going to tag team this one <laughs> with our little PA Binks because Yay. he finally woke up and now he's mean mugging and giving me his little right hook. Uh, it's, other, it's right hook he totally tried to throat punch the vet when i took him on tuesday it was great. that's amazing i mean i would probably throat punch the vet i mean vet sometimes well. i've wanted to throat punch my doctor but yeah <laughs> kids don't throat punch people please don't listen to us is that is that um does that happen when they hand you the bill pretty much <laughs> okay mm-hmm. i was just checking yeah um so our final film that we have picked is the iconic Hocus Pocus. Yes. So fun fact, this movie actually did not do well it when, did it, not. when it first aired. I was very surprised at that. Yeah. Because I, I loved it. <laughs> I, okay, so I remember, shocker, I'm a crazy cat lady. Thus, I have five and a, and a dog. Um, when I remember being, I was young when this came out and I remember going to see it in the theaters with my mom and my brother. And when Binks died at the end, I was too young to understand that <laughs> while, you know, Binks the cat died, you know, uh, Thackeray Binks, the human, uh, got to be at peace. But I was so distraught when the kitty died that I started 
sobbing uncontrollably and my mom had to take me out of the theater because i was disturbing people (laughs) but look you have binks right here yeah we have another binks he is alive he is he's very small he only weighs 11 ounces oh although he might actually he weighs 11 and a half ounces he's like hey let me out of here because i'm me mugging (laughs) (laughs) all right so this movie debuted in 1993 Yes. And it stars Bette Midler as Winifred Sanderson. Sarah Jessica Parker as Sarah Sanderson. Kathy Najimy as Mary Sanderson. Omri Katz, who played Max Dennison, the older brother. Thora Birch, who played Danny Dennison, the younger sister. She was so little then. Oh, she was a baby. This was like far cry from American Beauty. <laughs> yeah, right. Oy. Um, Vanessa Shaw, who plays Max's love interest, Allison. The parents, Dave and Jenny Dennison, are played by Charles Rocket and Stephanie Farisay, respectively. The human Thackeray Binks is played by Sean Murray. The voice of the cat Thackeray Binks is played by Jason Marsden. Interesting. The legendary and iconic Ugh, Doug Jones. He is just amazing. Amazing. <laughs> plays William Billy Butcherson, uh, Winifred's dead love interest. And Sarah's. And Sarah's. <laughs> um, Amanda Shepard, who plays Emily Binks, is Thackeray Binks. That's so hard for me to say. Thackeray. Thackeray Binks. Uh, Emily Binks is, is Thackeray's little sister. Um Larry Bagby plays Ernie, a.k.a. Ice. <laughs> I told you my name's not Ernie no more. Every it's time Ice. I just think of his character, I just think of Ice written on the back of his head. Mm. <laughs> Pretty much. This is Ice. Oh, um, and then his ridiculous counterpart, Jay, is played by Tobias Jelinek. And then uncredited but wonderful humans, the brother-sister duo, yes. playing a married couple in the film. Which is hilarious. Yes. Gary Marshall and Penny Marshall as the devil, dressed up as, you know, the devil. And then uh, Medusa Lady, which really she just has a bunch of foam rollers in her hair, <laughs> is Penny Marshall. I mean, when I put rollers in my hair, that's I look like Medusa, too. I mean, pretty much. It's just what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... I mean, if you haven't seen the movie... Don't know how you haven't. Uh, pretty much, the, we're, I'm going to give you a little bit what happened, so I am ruining it for you. Yep. But sorry. it came out in 1993. But, You've had time. Yeah, but also not sorry. But, I mean, for, like, little bitty kids, they probably haven't seen it yet. Oh. Yeah, So, I mean, but, yeah. Anyway. So, on... To start, we... We get into on October 31st, 1693, just outside of Salem, Massachusetts. And Thackeray (laughs) Binks sees his little sister, Emily Binks, being taken away to the cottage of the three witches. And there, the Sanderson sisters, Winifred, Sarah, and Mary, cast a spell on Emily to absorb her youth and regain their own, killing her in the process. Uh, Thackeray Binks confronts con- ugh, confronts the witches who transform him into an immortal black cat, cursed to live forever with his guilt for not saving Emily. The townsfolk, led by Thackeray's friend Elijah and his father, capture the witches. But before being hanged, 
Winifred casts a spell that will resurrect the witches during a full moon on All Hallows' Eve when any virgin lights the black flame candle. Uh, Unable to convince his father of his true identity as a cat, Thackeray decides to guard the cottage to ensure no one uh, summons the witches ever again. But... 300 years later <laughs> we're um now at, at october 31st 1993 on halloween and we meet max dennison and he's feeling unsettled from his family's sudden move from los angeles california to salem massachusetts that's a long move i but, wouldn't hate it but also i was just gonna say that i'm like but they have actual seasons there they do (laughs) so you know and plus probably the coolest halloween party ever the only the only piece that i would not like is the snow part see i wouldn't mind the snow i was i I was in this i was in the snow for five years so girl having to get up an extra hour early to heat up my car (laughs) and shovel my driveway that bad after you do it for one year it it will be like nothing but you lived in a dorm you don't have to shovel your driveway actually i i did when I lived, uh, I mean, I lived in the dorm the first two, three years. Yeah. And then my last two, I had a, I had, um, like a townhouse with, uh, uh with my friend Nicole and like we shoveled, we had to shovel our, our walkway. Girl, you must not love yourself. <laughs> Get one of them, their heated driveways. It, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad though. It wasn't that bad. I mean, I, I have lots of have, friends they, who have lived in Michigan who, have, who beg to differ. Well, they have <laughs> machines that help you do that stuff. So you don't have to shovel. I still have lots of friends who have lived in Michigan who beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, now that I'm back, I can't really talk because I'm not there anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> I wouldn't mind the snow. It's I don't know. I guess, but it's also it's also nice to leave, though, too. I wouldn't mind the snow if I didn't have to go anywhere right (laughs) if i could if i could work remotely and i could just have all my stuff delivered it would be fine but (laughs) but well i mean you can i would have to i mean but if it was salem i mean you'd have to think about that hard yeah because i i would want to live in salem be cool yeah and you can come to my spooky house I'll come visit you, but okay. there's just so I'll much. Come visit you, but there's I'm just leave. So, there's just so much fun stuff to do. I'm come here. visit you in the fall when it's not snowing. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, continuing on. So Max is already like kind of hating, uh, you know, being in Salem, and he gets picked on, you know, by Ice and uh, Jay, and he gets his shoes taken, which is like so weird. Why weird. would you want to steal somebody else's shoes anyway? Like, they already wore them. And what guarantee do you have that they're even going to fit you? Right. I, I mean, that part... I mean, he, he got lucky that they fit, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so he's already upset. And then, of course, his younger sister, Danny, wants, you know, uh, him to take him out, you know, take her out for trick-or-treating. So he ends up kind of being a little bit forced into that <laughs> and uh they run into max's new crush allison oh allison kiss me i'm allison <laughs> and then also allison mentions that her family owns the sanderson cottage as a museum but now it's closed because of all this spooky stuff that happens but of course max in an effort to impress her um you know invites 
invites her to show him and his little sister uh, to the Sanderson house to convince him, you know, that the witches are real or just, you know, in general, because he doesn't believe that stuff. <laughs> and so in going and investigating the cottage, Max, who is also a virgin, just want to point that out. <laughs> uh, he lights the black flame candle and inadvertently resurrects the witches who must come, who must continue to suck the souls out of every child in Salem to continue living or else at sunrise they will disintegrate. So the witches attempt to suck the soul of Danny, but Max comes to the rescue. Escaping, Max steals uh, Winifred's spell book on the advice from Thackeray, who has appeared um, who basically just goes by the name of Binks. Hey, Binks, we're talking about you. <laughs> he says, can't talk, making biscuits. <laughs> so cute. And the witches pursue them to the cemetery where Winifred raise, raises her unfaithful lover, Billy Butcherson, as a zombie to chase them on foot. And then the witches try to acclimate kind of like to the, the new 20th century that they're in. And they are horrified when they discover that Halloween has become a holiday where all the kids are running amok. So they pursue the children across town using Mary's enhanced, enhanced sense of smell of children. That's not a smell that I want. Um, <laughs> and then Max, Danny, and Allison find their parents at the town hall Halloween party where Winifred, they, the witches come in and Winifred enchants, enchants the party goers uh, pretty much to dance until they die so that they can get all the kids. <laughs> um, at Jacob Bailey High School, the children trap the witches in the kiln. And children, if you don't know what a kiln is, that is used to... Um, it's a real big oven. Yeah, it's a really, really big oven, and they use it to make pottery and other things that are really cool. Um, and ba basically, they trap them in the kiln to burn them alive. And while the children, you know, they're kind of celebrating things that they killed them, the the witch's curse actually revives them again, and they turn, they get back to life. And then, so not realizing the witches, the witches haven't truly died, Max and Allison open the spell book in an effort to reverse the spell on Binks. Because, you know, they're trying to help him so that, you know, he can be re reunited with his family and everything. So they open the spell book and it reveals the, it, basically a big light shoots up and so it kind of reveals where the book is and the witches track them down and kidnap, kidnap Danny and Binks to get the book back. Then Sarah uses her siren-like singing to mesmerize all the uh, children of Salem, you know, luring them to the Sanderson Cottage. So then Max and Allison uh, rescue uh, Danny and Beeks by tri tricking them, by tricking the witches into believing the sunrise came an hour early. They put uh, like a, a red paper over the... Um, headlights the, the headlights of the car making them think that the sun the sunrise is happening <laughs> but i mean that part, that part kind of cracks me up because like wouldn't they like feel the burning or something <laughs> and they just fall to the ground <laughs> the uh munchausen by proxy or something yeah exactly <laughs> so kids you're too young to know about yeah that. i know <laughs> But uh, back at the cemetery, Max runs into Billy, who <laughs> he cuts his, stitch, uh, his stitched up mouth and insults Winifred, which is really funny. 
And then he kind of helps join Max to kind of help protect Danny from them. And the witches attack and Winifred attempts to suck the soul from Danny with a single vial of a potion she retrieved from her cauldron. Uh, Binks leaps up uh, on Winifred and knocks the potion out of her hand into Max. And he is then thrown to the ground and injured at the spot where his little sister Emily's grave rests. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> this is the part where sarah cried oh. <laughs> and truthful truthfully it's the part yeah. where sarah still cries yeah it's sad <laughs> but uh rather than smashing the vial max drinks it in order to force the wit- the witches to take him instead of danny the sun rises uh, the sun rises just as winifred is about to finish draining max's life force and due to standing on hollow ground in the cemetery she turns to a stone statue before she is disintegrated into dust along with her sister's Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> and with the witches gone, Max, Danny, and Allison say goodbye to Billy as he gets into his grave and returns to sleep with an open grave. I thought that's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Binks finally dies, freeing his soul. Oh, But... Uh, appearing as a a ghost Zachary you know thanks Max Danny and Allison for their help and bids them farewell before he is reunited with the spirit of his little sister Emily and the the gate doors open Zachary and Emily walk through to heaven while Max and Danny and Allison happily watch them depart and they fade away as the gate door closes and that's it's like my favorite line of the whole movie at that part <laughs> Thackeray Banks <laughs> what took thee so long <laughs> he's like well I had to wait <laughs> I had to wait 300 years for a virgin to light a candle <laughs> little kids are not gonna get that <laughs> and then at the very end of the movie we see the parents all coming um out of the oh my god I heard that little meow he's, on the he's microphone just saying hi that was so cute. Binks is like, I'm alive. He's like, no, I'm here. <laughs> um, the parents come out of the town hall party and they're all, they look like they had a lot of drinking going on, but they were just dancing all night under <laughs> Winifred's spell. <laughs> but then we um, we cut back to uh, Ice and Jay who uh, were actually captured by the witches and put in these little cages. <laughs> but as we're hearing them singing Row, Row Your Boat, the camera goes down to um, Winifred's uh, spell book and then the eye opens. Which means, like, maybe the witches are alive and they're going to return again. Maybe they can come back. And I don't know if anybody else heard, but they are making another Hocus Pocus movie. I put it in the notes. I know. Okay. But I just wanted to put that out. Okay. okay. Anyway. Um. So a couple fun <laughs> facts about the movie... So the animatronic cat that they used for Thackeray Binks uh, was used for Salem in Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that reference there. Yeah. And during an interview in 2008 with the BBC BBC show called breakfast i like that bb she bb she do the bb she um anyway uh during that show bet midler stated that this was actually her favorite of all of her films her other favorite according to her autobiography bet midler still divine was voicing the poodle georgette in yes. oliver and company in 1988 so amazing my other like all-time favorite disney movie it makes me sad I mean, it's sad. But the story but, of Oliver Twist is very but sad. Also, I am Georgette. 
Yeah, I admit it. It's fine. (laughs) Um, And then Sarah Jessica Parker actually had said that the harness that she wore in for the flying broom scene was so uncomfortable that instead of being lowered back to the ground during extended downtime between takes, she'd just stash a copy of the New York Times in her costume and she would read while suspended in the air. (laughs) That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then during the 20th anniversary screening of the film, Doug Jones revealed that the moths that come out of his mouth at the end are real and not CGI. Gross. Yeah, real gross. But I like his commitment. The things, the, the, some method acting. Yeah. Um, the role of Max Dennison was originally offered to Leo DiCaprio. Oh, no. It would not have worked. Um, and he <laughs> turned it down to appear in What's Eating Gilbert okay, Grape. Okay, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Much better role for him. Mm-hmm. And also a Sarah, another Sarah Jessica Parker fine fact. So she obviously plays a witch who is executed during the Salem witch trials. But when she was researching her family history for the show that was on in 2004 called, who do you think you are? She was shocked to discover that her 10th great grandmother, Esther Elwell was arrested in Salem, Massachusetts in the late 1600s for committing quote unquote, sundry acts of witchcraft and choking a neighbor to death. Ooh. Yeah. Esther's case never went to court. She escaped with her life and the accusation ended the Salem witch trials. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when this movie was initially created, Disney bought the script in 1984 and then sat on the project for eight years. Why? I don't know, man. Um, well, actually... I do. Well, <laughs> sort <yeah>. of. <laughs> um, so the original title was Disney's Halloween house and it was supposed to be much darker and scarier. Oh yeah. And then there were also rumors that Disney considered turning it into a made for TV movie at one point that have spread all over the internet, but those have not been confirmed. And the city of Salem is actually used as a theme for the opening per- or um, use the film as a theme for their opening parade of their 2018 haunted happenings festival and to coincide with the film's 25th anniversary the local national parks service actually made a doll of winifred sanderson that was dressed in one of their uniforms and uh one of the schools made a float that was based on thackeray oh that's cool yep and all uh, another little there's a couple of connections actually between some of the actors in this film so one of which being sarah jessica parker and bet midler also star together with in first wives club oh which movie yeah kids you're too young to know that part but you know it's a it's a really good movie to watch when you're older yes um and then Rose, or I'm sorry, I'm scrolling, 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 scrolling. There we go. Uh, Omri Katz, who plays Max Dennison, and James Marsden, who voiced Thackeray Binks the cat, uh, both starred in one of my favorite TV shows as a child, Erie, Indiana. <gasps> I love that show. It was great. So they had previously oh. worked together on Erie, Indiana in 1991 as Marshall Teller and Dax X, respectively. Uh, Bette Midler worked with Gary Marshall on Beaches in 1988. Uh, of course. Kathy Najimy and Penny Marshall also previously worked together on The Hard Way in 1991. 
Oh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And this also was created by David Kirshner and the legendary, phenomenal Mick Garris. Yes. Ugh. Both of whom collaborated with Steven Spielberg in the past, set the project up at Disney in the mid-1980s. And Garris and uh, Kirchner pitched Hocus Pocus to Spielberg, who turned it down. He had no intention of working with Disney, which he saw as his biggest competitor. Okay. Yep. But Steven Spielberg eventually collaborated with Disney Studios within a few years. But by the time this film was made, he had long abandoned the project. Uh, Mm Ah. And two more fun things with casting. So one, Cloris Leachman was actually the producer's first choice to play Winifred. No. Yep. <laughs> no. Yep. Um I could not see that. No, at all. no. Sorry. No. Um Rosie O'Donnell was initially offered the role of Mary Sanderson. Also no. Also no. Hard no. Um and then Rosie claims on her blog that she turned down the offer to work with Bette Midler because she quote unquote didn't want to be a scary witch. So I'm assuming... But Mary wasn't really a scary witch, No, I'm assuming that there's drama between the two. Yeah, that's what that sounds like. Yeah. Um, And Jennifer Lopez auditioned for the role of Sarah Sanderson. Also no. Also hard no. (laughs) Because when Jennifer... uh, When she, like, first, like, started acting, she wasn't very good. No. But she got way better now. Yeah, she's got a lot better. But, like, the beginning, I was like, ooh. Mm -hmm. It's rough. Rough life. (laughs) and my very last note because it's my favorite yay i'm assuming that you have seen gypsy of course i have Uh uh-huh so when bet midler takes the stage at the halloween party she says hello salem my name is winifred what's yours which is supposed to be a play on the famous line Hello, everybody. My name is Rose. What's yours? Spoken by Madame Rose in the musical Gypsy. Oh, I love it. In which the divine Miss M played Madame Rose. Yes, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. That that movie makes me cry, too. Love that movie. Me, too. Although, I don't know who my favorite Rose is. My favorite Madame Rose. I don't know if it's Patti LuPone or Bette Midler. Ooh. I'm so torn. No, I, you can't. you can't put me in there. No, I'm too torn. <laughs> I can't pick either. No. Like one or the other. That's no. too hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's way too hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, as I mentioned before, there is a sequel in the works. It's been actually, it's been in the works for a while. For like six years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First started... Um, in July 2014, and it was announced that Disney was developing a supernatural-themed film about witches, and that Tina Fey was on board as a producer and to star. However, Deadline debunked rumors that the film was a sequel to Hocus Pocus. In November 2014, Bette Midler said in an interview that she was ready and willing to return for a sequel. She also said her co-stars, Sarah Jessica Parker and Kathy Naijimi, were interested in reprising the roles of the Sanderson sisters as well, but stressed that Disney had yet to greenlight any sequel. So in November 2015, Midler uh, stated in a Facebook Q&A that after all these years and all the fan demand, I do believe I can stand and firmly say 
uh, unequivocal no in r- response to a question about a sequel. So they're trying to get the sequel going, but nothing, nothing. <laughs> and then in June 2016, actor Doug Jones mentioned that Disney had been considering a sequel and behind the scenes discussions were in place to possibly continue the series. In October 2016, Sarah Jessica Parker was asked by um, Andy Cohen about a sequel, and her response was, I would love that. I think we've been very vocal that, you know, we're all, like, you know, very keen to to do this. Uh, In Hocus Pocus in Focus, (laughs) (laughs) the thinking uh, fan's guide to Disney's Halloween classic author, Aaron Wallace uh, identifies several potential approaches for a sequel, but notes that the project's biggest challenge is the Walt Disney Studios' interest in tentpole projects that uh, promise very high box office returns. Yeah, that makes sense. That sounds about right. <laughs> in uh, September 2017, screenwriter Mick Garris admitted that he was working on a script for Hocus Pocus 2 and that it would potentially be developed as a television film for Disney Channel or like Freeform or AB- ABC. It was later confirmed that it will instead be a remake for uh, to air on Freeform with the Royals writer Scarlett Lacey attached to write and the original film producer David Kirshner executive uh, producing. The following month, Midler said she was not fond of the idea of a remake and she would not be taking part of it. Interesting. <laughs> then in July 2018, a book titled Hocus Pocus and the all-new sequel was released containing a a novelization of the film and a sequel story. The sequel focuses on Max and Allison's daughter, Poppy, who grew up hearing the family story of the first film and parents who avoid Halloween as much as possible. I actually want to read this. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if you've seen it in the stories, but I kind of want to read it. Um, Poppy is skeptical of the tale and ends up at the Sanderson house on Halloween, 25 years to the day after the movie, in an attempt to prove there's nothing to the story. So, in October 2019, a sequel was announced to be in development as Disney Plus exclusive film with a screenplay written by Jen DeAngelo. Shortly after the report, Midler, Parker, and Najimi all confirmed their interest in reprising their roles. So, in March 2020, here we are in COVID. <laughs> Adam Shankman signed on to direct. Whoop whoop. Which I you know, I like Adam Shankman. He does some cool things. Like what? I mean, there are a lot of dance movies. Like what? I like truthfully I'm asking because oh. I couldn't name a single Adam Shankman he, movie without looking okay, it up. Okay, well I mean Okay, you have to look it up too. Like <laughs> not my well uh, he did the um I'm trying to think the specific dance movie of <laughs> what it was it's the one where um what's her name he did the tv show so you think you can dance yeah he does that but he also did the one where uh channing tatum and his ex-wife met and i don't Step know oh. up yes and then he also did Hairspray, A Watch to Remember, and um, Rock of Ages. Oh, he produced it. Yeah, but he... <sighs> okay, here we go. The Wedding Planner, yeah. A Walk to Remember, yes. Bringing Down the House, Past Fire Chief, Bud Dozen, Hairspray, Bedtime Stories, Rock of Ages, What Men Want, Disenchanted. But also, interesting, he 
also did uh, AJ and, and the Queen. He directed one. One of those episodes. Oh, one of the episodes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he directed What Men Want. I just said He did. That. Oh, you did. I'm sorry. <laughs> and he did some episodes of Glee. Yeah. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Now I know. I couldn't. But I knew he did all the step up movies. <laughs> Sadly, I watched them all on late night TV. Hard, it, hard pass. Yeah. It, yeah. Hard pass. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we hope that you all enjoy these movies and we hope that uh, parents watch them with your kids. Kids, wrestle your parents down and make them watch them with you. Enjoy the spooky season together. Yes. Um, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. Thanks again to our wonderful little listener, Mr. Liam Christopher. Yes, thank you, Liam. We appreciate you. We can't wait to hang out post-COVID. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we'd love to hear more of your wonderful ideas. Yes. Thank you for sharing them again. Indeed. <laughs> so make sure you uh, rate and review us anywhere you listen to us, uh, where uh, you listen to a podcast. <laughs> and also uh, like us on Facebook and Instagram. And check out our website. We got some merch. We got merch. We got lots and lots of merch. When it gets cold, your, da- your dog will need a, a jacket. We need cat clothes, too. Oh, we got to add that. And bink shirts. Yeah. <laughs> Little baby binks. As Oh, and Ava didn't, she didn't look back, so that's good. We'll, that's good we'll do one that's got Ava's side eye. <laughs> and then we'll do another one that's got Felix's little face on it, and it'll say mean muggin'. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Be so cute. But also, don't forget to email us your wonderful ideas, the squaggles at gmail.com. Yeah, absolutely. Creep it real. We'll scare you later. Goodbye. Bye.